Well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna start with uh, some prayer uh, this morning. Y'all, excuse me. I'm, I think I got this little allergy thing going on, but I'm pushing through. He's not gonna stop me today. God, we just thank you. We thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity, God, where we can be in your presence, where we can experience the fullness of our joy, where we can be made complete in you, where we can be made whole in you. God, I, I just declare right now, devil, you can't have my praise. You can't have my breath. You cannot stop what God is doing in this house today. So we just release freedom. We release joy. God, I thank you for your fiery presence in our midst today. I pray that you send angels, God, just to minister to your people today, right, right from the throne room. And we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for your peace with us today. We thank you for ministering to us in power today. I pray our lives are forever changed. I pray that our lives are forever transformed. I pray that we are set free, that today is a marker. It's like a, it's like a Ebenezer, God. It's a, it's a marking point where we go forward and we say, oh yeah, that was time before that Sunday. And then after that Sunday, everything changed. So I thank you, God, that today everything changes for your people today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as we are going to explore this message today, I just want to reiterate, anytime when we are talking about the enemy or something of that nature, we are never trying to glorify or lift up what he is doing. On the contrary, we are trying to not be ignorant of his schemes. We are trying to expose that wickedness and that darkness to help set some people free. So I just wanted to state that right up front. We know that God is sovereign. God is on the throne. God is all powerful. And every demonic spirit has to bow its knee to the Holy Spirit. So we recognize Jesus told us plainly in scripture in this world that we would have troubles. He told us that the enemy would go around trying to find someone to devour, trying to steal, kill, and destroy from us. But he also told us to take heart because he overcame the world. The devil had nothing in him and he gave us all the authority to trample on those serpents and that nothing would ultimately be able to harm us. Many times Jesus instructed his followers to be alert, to not fall for the enemy's schemes. That is why we teach on things like this. Jesus very clearly instructed us in the book of Matthew saying, beware of false prophets and watch out that no one deceives you. The apostle John instructs us in 1 John 4, 1. He said, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. See whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, I will say, I do think sometimes we have taken these testing the spirits to the other extreme and out of fear may actually forbid, deny, or ignore anything that we might perceive as weird or unexplainable to us. Some even deny the power of the Holy Spirit altogether. They deny and forbid authentic prophecy and deny and forbid even speaking in tongues with scripture clearly speaks against. But the fact that there is a demonic counterfeit is actually proof positive. There is a divine holy, real, supernatural that is from God and that is intended for us to have and to experience. 
While we should be alert and discerning, we cannot allow the enemy to rob us of what God is doing by leading us into unhealthy skepticism, doubt, and unbelief. So test the spirits, see what's from God and reject the rest. The more we read the word, the more we spend time with God in prayer each day, the easier it will be for us to discern what is God and what is the enemy. The apostle Paul even argued in Romans 16 verse 17. He said, watch out for those who cause divisions and offenses among you when they antagonize you by speaking of things that are contrary to the teachings you've received. Don't be caught in their snare. You see, there is a spirit that is contrary to the Holy Spirit that is working in the earth, filling the mouths of false prophets, trying to divide and deceive even the elect if that were possible. So we must stand strong in the power of the Holy Spirit. We must resist the enemy and his schemes. And we absolutely must discern when we are up against and warring with the spirit of Python. So what is the python spirit? It's actually one of the few spirits that is specifically called out by name in the scripture. Now, the first and most obvious thing we have to note right up front is that python is a snake, which makes sense since the first thing that we actually tie together and recognize and associate with Satan in the Bible is the serpent in the book of Genesis. Snakes have historically even been held in other cultures all throughout time as being associated with the occult, with dark wisdom, supernatural powers, things like that. In our culture, we even refer to people that we think are kind of shady or habitual liars as snakes, okay? So that's another thing to clue us in, like snakes commonly represent lies and deception. The second thing to note is that a python is a very specific type of snake. It's a constrictor meaning that it kills its prey by coiling around the body and slowly squeezing the breath and the life out of it. The prey doesn't die instantly. They can still move around a little, but every time they try to take a breath, that python squeezes all the more and it becomes harder and harder to break its grip, to get free. This is the method the python uses to attack and subdue its prey. And we're gonna look at that a little later. We have to understand that a python spirit is not strictly even a biblical concept. As I said, many cultures throughout the world and history have freely embraced this as a real thing. There are even places, I think, in Uganda where they still actually worship this today. Even Greek mythology, they tried to explain this concept with the story of Apollo and how he went to the oracle at Delphi and slew the serpent named Python and consequently took on its spirit of divination. So let's look at that. Dictionary.com defines divination as the practice of attempting to foretell future events or discover hidden knowledge by occult or supernatural means. Merriam-Webster adds that divination is the practice that seeks to foretelling future events, usually by the interpretation of omens or by the aid of supernatural powers. So do we see this in scripture? How does God feel about that spirit of divination and people tapping into the supernatural in this way? Well, let's look at Leviticus chapter 20, verse 27. We'll see how strongly God feels about that. 
And if there be a man or woman in whom is a spirit of python or of divination, they shall certainly be put to death. They shall stone them with stones and their blood is upon them. That's, that's a pretty strong statement, okay? That's how God feels about that. Don't do it. God's people have always been strictly forbidden from attempting to access the supernatural realm apart from God. Why? Because God loves people. He wants to have a relationship with mankind. He wants to reveal his knowledge and his wisdom to us personally through a relationship. But when we go off and try to explore all these dark things on our own and start going all these different weird ways to try to divine, oh, what's going to happen? What's going on? Then not only does it sever that relationship, but it causes us to sin. And sin ultimately destroys us, okay? And it invites the enemy to harass and hinder us in our walk with God. God wants to bless us. God wants to give us life and what is best for us. So of course, God's gonna be against anything that is gonna stand in the way of that. God reiterates this again in Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 11. There shall not be found among you. Now I want you to notice all the things that this is kind of grouped together with, okay? There should not be among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire as a sacrifice, one who uses divination and fortune telling, one who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or a charmer, or one that inquires of a spirit of python, or a soothsayer, or one who consults the dead. Clearly, God doesn't think that the spirit of Python is just some myth, but a real demonic entity that would wreak havoc on his people. God has his kingdom of governance and the enemy has his dark counterfeit kingdom. So we need to get that today. The enemy has always wanted to be like God. He's always wanted to to have that place of power and authority. So when he couldn't have it in heaven, he decided, well, now that I'm down here, I'm still gonna try and set up my own dark kingdom and try to imitate God. But he is not God. He can never be God. Satan is a created being. He can only mimic and counterfeit what God can do. Now, as we see from scripture, we see God and relating as the father. We see him as the son. We also see the Holy Spirit, but we also see the enemy and what he has tried to counterfeit in Revelation 13. And the dragon, Satan, stood on the sandy shore of the sea. Then I saw a vicious beast coming out out of the sea with 10 horns and seven heads. And on his horns were 10 royal crowns and on his head were blasphemous names. And the beast that I saw resembled a leopard, but his feet were like those of a bear and his mouth was like that of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. I saw one of his heads, which seemed to have a fatal wound, but his wound was healed and the entire earth followed after the beast in amazement. So, right, I don't know if you've ever gone through Revelation. There's a lot of interesting metaphors and pictures of stuff. So it's fascinating. But this in particular is a real key to what we're talking about today. We see the first two figures in this unholy trinity, the dragon, which is Satan, of course, and the beast, which is the Antichrist. You see, everything's imitation. The Antichrist receives a mortal wound, but is miraculously healed and raised back up again. Sound familiar? So now the world will follow after the Antichrist in amazement. 
but there's still a part missing. Just as the Holy Spirit falls on and fills God's prophets with prophetic utterances and supernatural power, the enemy has a spirit that falls on and fills his false prophets with false prophetic utterances and false signs and wonders. So let's pick back up in verses 11 through 15. Then I saw another beast rising up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb and he spoke like a dragon. He exercised all the same authority of the first beast in his presence. And he makes the earth and those who inhabit it worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he performs great signs, awe-inspiring acts, even making fire fall from the sky to the earth right before people's eyes. And he deceives those who inhabit the earth into believing him because of the signs which he was given by Satan to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who inhabit the earth to make an image of the beast who is wounded fatally by the sword and has come back to life. And he's given power to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image will even appear to speak and cause those who do not bow down and worship the image to be put to death." I'm going to break this down just for a minute. Just as the Holy Spirit speaks when he hears what the Father's saying, you'll notice that that second beast or false prophet speaks like the dragon, like Satan. Just as the Holy Spirit is revered as having the authority of Jesus with us on the earth, the false prophet is seen as exercising all the same authority of the Antichrist. Just as the Holy Spirit is always pointing people to look to and worship Jesus, who was dead, buried, and raised again, that false prophet is always pointing people to look to and worship the Antichrist, whose wound was healed. Just as the Holy Spirit empowers people with supernatural signs and wonders to convince them to believe in God, the false prophet empowers people with dark signs and dark wonders to try to trick people, to deceive people into putting their trust in Satan. And just as the Holy Spirit is seen as the breath and the life of God, that false prophet is seen as giving breath to something, but it actually leads to death. That spirit that comes from and empowers God's people is the Holy Spirit. And the spirit that comes from and empowers Satan's people is the spirit of Python. Now, hopefully through that, we could just see the difference and characteristics of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does and how the Python spirit is essentially the exact opposite. So how can we recognize a Python attack? How can we clue into where it may be trying to steal, kill, and destroy in our lives? This spirit, as I said, it's a constrictor. So it's trying to literally squeeze the life out of you. This could be your spiritual life, which is the most important thing. But it could also be your mental health your physical health, your finances, as they all play a part in our lives and into our wholeness. So let's break this down. The spirit of Python is, con- is concerned with hindering and stopping our prayer life and our relationship with God, which makes sense since the Holy Spirit main job is to help us, to pray with us, to intercede and solidify our relationship with God. Python's gonna try and thwart this at every turn. He will try and tell any lie he can to get us from waking up and having a quiet time in the morning. Anything he can think of. Nah, you just just hit that snooze. Just five more minutes. Oh, the news is more important that you don't need to read that. I mean, what's that gonna do for you anyway? He will say anything. 
He will put any circumstance in our way to try and distract us. You know, everything seems to be going well. And then all of a sudden you're about to go pray. And then, oop, what's that? Oh, I've never seen that before, but now I got to go deal with this. I'm telling you, he will, he will put things in your way to distract you from spending time with, with God. We see this clearly, and we're going to go through this, and I think this will really help. When Paul and Silas dealt with this spirit of Python in Acts 16, so we're going to pick up in verse 16. It came to pass, as we were going to prayer, that a certain female slave having a spirit of Python met us, who brought much profit to her masters by prophesying. You'll notice that that spirit first came against the men of God as they were going to pray. These leaders were going about their business. They were trying to spread the kingdom of God. They were actually on their way to the house of prayer. And that's when Python decided to come after them. Also notice that Paul in in scripture, he's identified as being mightily empowered by the Holy Spirit to prophesy. And we see this girl was empowered by Python to make money for her masters with false prophesying or what we would call fortune telling. She was basically a psychic charging people to read their future. And now she comes alongside these prophets of God and began to interrupt them and distract them from their prayer time. Look, the enemy doesn't fight fair. He knows where believers get their power from. He's trying to get us cut off and disconnected from our power source. If you're feeling like you can't pray, or you have no desire to pray, or you feel constantly discouraged about prayer, or you're feeling hopeless, and what's the point? That is Python lying to you to get you to stop the very thing that will give you the power to overcome. Push through and pray to God in your moments of distress and weakness. Pray in the spirit to build up that inner man, especially at those times when you feel the least like doing it, when you feel the most distracted. That's the first clue that Python is beginning an attack. So what did the spirit do next? Let's pick back up in verse 17. She followed after Paul and us and kept screaming and shouting, These men are servants of the most high God. They are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. We see this spirit is essentially stalking them. She's following them from behind. And now she's causing quite the scene. She is loud, disruptive, an interruption, self-seeking and self-serving. But notice what she is actually saying. It's basically the truth. These are men of God and they are showing the way to be saved. So we see, this is very, this is very key. She can say sometimes the right things, but with the totally wrong spirit behind it. It sounds right. People might even pause and entertain it for a while, but there's something else working behind the surface that is not of God. Just because something sounds right doesn't mean it is. Just because someone may say something that is accurate does not make them a prophet of God. We have to be discerning of the spirit behind the thing and ask, is this from God. Let's pick back up in verse 18. She continued doing this for several days. Then Paul, being greatly annoyed and worn out, turned and said to the spirit inside her, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as his representative to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. 
this spirit was starting to harass Paul and Silas. It says for several days, she tried to tag along with them, announcing them, maybe trying to blend in and infiltrate Paul's ministry before blowing it up at some point down the line. In any event, it seems like at some point, Paul was able to discern there was a demonic spirit at work in this person. And he was finding himself both greatly annoyed and worn out, which is another clue. You may be hearing something that sounds right, but it, it's, it's rubbing you the wrong way. It's irritating your spirit for some reason. You may even start to become mentally or physically worn down or beaten down, and you can't seem to figure out why. Little do we know, Python has been slowly squeezing, trying to get us to wear down, to give up, to give in, to let it have its evil way. Look, if you go through seasons when you feel completely overwhelmed, where it seems like the pressures and cares of the world are weighing down on you and you feel hopeless and despondent, this is another clue. Python's trying to put the squeeze on you to push the breath of life right out. But don't give in. We have to resist and fight back. We know greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Paul looked right at that spirit inside of her, commanded it to leave, and it did immediately. Deliverance and freedom for the girl and for Paul's ministry team. But that's not where the story ends. You see, Python is not like a normal demon that might be influencing or operating through someone. It can also be influencing and operating through a whole city or a region. Remember, this girl was making her masters lots of money with their fortune telling and these false prophecies, and they were not very happy about losing their cash cow. Picking back up in verse 19, when her owners saw their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and drug them before the authorities in the market where trials were held. And when they brought them before the chief magistrates, they said, these men who are Jews are throwing our city into confusion and they're causing trouble. They are publicly teaching customs which are unlawful for us as Romans to accept or observe. Well, that's a fine how do you do, right? Here we see this spirit is not gonna go down without a fight. There's a counterattack. It's a big squeeze. What exactly did Paul even do? He set a captive free from a demonic spirit after she was harassing him. He was just trying to go pray. He was just trying to minister love and joy and freedom to people. He was trying to speak the truth while she was going around muddying the waters and creating confusion herself. But what does he get? Lies, slander, false arrest, his rights being violated. Picking back up in verse 22, the crowd now joins in the attack against them and the chief magistrates tore the robes off of them and ordered that they be beaten with rods. After striking them many times, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. He, having received such a strict command, threw them into the inner prison, the dungeon, and fastened their feet in stocks in an agonizing position." This is the last big squeeze. Python's pulling out all the stops on them now. This spirit stirred up an entire town against them. They were just fine a little while ago. Everyone was fine. They were just going around talking to them, ministering to them. Everything's fine. Now, all of a sudden, they're terrible people. Beat them, throw them in prison for no reason, you know, stirring things up. 
Now they're humiliated, stripped of their clothes, wrongfully beaten and abused. And if that wasn't enough, wrongfully imprisoned in a dungeon, in stocks. All they're trying to do is bring freedom and deliverance. But the enemy does not like to lose ground. This enemy is not content to just cut its losses and leave. The spirit of Python wants to push back and push back hard. It wants to make you sorry you ever did anything for God in the first place. It wants to make you think twice about getting back in the fight. It wants you to be so utterly bound and squeezed that you feel like you have nothing left and just resign and fly that white flag of surrender. Now I'm gonna pause here for a moment. I think... There is some bad theology out there that basically implies that if you just follow Jesus, everything will always go perfect in your life forever. Now, yes, there are times when we do open the door to the enemy ourselves and invite him in and have to deal with some of those consequences. But as we see from this passage of scripture, sometimes the enemy just comes after you. Sometimes the enemy just attacks because we're a child of God and we're his natural enemy. He doesn't want to lose ground. Sometimes Python wants to squeeze people who are full of the Holy Spirit so tightly just because they are the greatest threat to his kingdom. We have to pray for our leaders. We have to pray for our pastors, pray for the pioneers who are trying to advance the kingdom of God and take back territory from the enemy. The enemy especially hates this and tries to come after them with everything he's got. So how can we be free? How can we be loose from Python's grip? How can we fight back against this specific evil spirit? We have to stand strong. Do not give up or give in. Do not let go of your confession of faith. Don't stop praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. Recognize you will have at some point to face demonic resistance when you step out to do what God says. But we also know God has equipped and empowered us to be victorious over every spirit and tactic the enemy throws our way. So let's look at what Paul and Silas did to break free from Python, picking back up in verse 25. But about midnight, when Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, the prisoners were listening to them. In verse 26, suddenly... There was a great earthquake, so powerful that the very foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once, all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. It doesn't matter how dark it looks around you right now. It doesn't matter how hopeless the circumstances may seem. You may very well have cords and chains gripping you tightly and feel like there's no way out, but that is a lie. The weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for tearing down strongholds. In spite of all the enemy throws our way, lies about, slandered, justice corrupted, wrongfully beaten, wrongfully accused, chained in the bowels of a prison at the darkest time of night, Python still couldn't take their praise. He still couldn't stop their worship to the most high God. He couldn't steal their song. You see, Python will try to convince you that prison is the end, 
that he is all powerful, but he is not. He may take a battle, but the war has already been won. And that's why we can still offer a sacrifice of praise to King Jesus, no matter what we face or what trial we endure. It's not the end. We have the ultimate victory and we are the advancing army of the living God. We cannot be stopped, and that is the truth, that is the foundation, and that is our war cry. That is faith in action, a faith so strong and potent that it rips the doors off of the prison cell and breaks the foundation of the strongest stronghold the enemy could ever try to bound us in. That's why I love verse 26 so much. Somebody say, suddenly. Suddenly, God acted on behalf of his servants. Suddenly, their own deliverance came and found them. Suddenly, that impossible breakthrough became a shocking reality. So don't stop praying. Don't stop praising. Don't stop confessing the goodness of our God because your suddenly is coming. Now, when we are dealing with anything the enemy throws our way, We should ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us any place where we might be in agreement with him, with the enemy. We may have knowingly or unknowingly opened the door to him to come and wreak havoc in our lives. But how how would we do that as we're talking with uh, the spirit of Python? Well, you just have to look at the, the life of King Saul. He was so hardened and so rebellious. He couldn't wait to hear from God that he willingly violated disobeying God and sought out occultic information from a witch who, if you look at scripture, had a spirit of Python. He lost his kingdom and ultimately his life as a result of this willful disobedience and opening himself up to seeking information from Python instead of God's spirit. You might say, well, I've never consulted a witch. Okay, Maybe you like to read your daily horoscope to see what the future holds. Maybe you visited a fortune teller or have called uh, psychic hotlines. There are many different things like this in our society that are Python's handiwork. They will try to distract us from God, try to get us going any which way except for the one true way. Don't look at the stars for help and information when you can go directly to the one who created the stars and knows them by name. Don't pay money to false prophets when God's spirit speaks through authentic prophets and to your own spirit personally. Now, if we have done anything like this, we can come to God today, confess this, ask for his mercy and forgiveness and come into agreement with the truth of what he says in his word. Now, other times, as we've seen from Acts 16, we're just trying to do what God told us to do. And the enemy will come after us to try to wear us out, to get us to quit and abandon the cause. We haven't done anything wrong, actually quite the opposite. It's because we're doing everything right for the kingdom of God that the enemy's trying to attack. It's times like this when we need to stay together, just like Paul and Silas. Find even one person to get in agreement with and refuse to back down or give up on what God has told you to do. Your praise is a weapon, so keep pushing, keep advancing, keep loving God with everything you've got no matter what. 
We are filled with the Holy Spirit, and he is more powerful than the spirit of Python could ever be. The more we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the more life we will have spiritually to sustain us as we go through the worst of storms, to keep on breathing, to keep on persevering. We need him more than ever before. We need his breath in our lungs like never before. We need his power to equip us to cut the cords of the enemy around our hearts and our minds like never before. Don't let Python prophesy death and destruction over your life and destiny. Cast those vain imaginations down and let the Holy Spirit prophesy life and a hope and a future over you. Let him prepare your hands for battle against the enemy of your soul. Let us continually fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. As Paul and Silas showed, even in the worst of circumstances, in the midst of unjust persecution, we can still remain free of Python squeeze as we let the love and the joy of the Lord overtake and overrule those things that are trying to overwhelm and suck the life out of you. So today, choose to be loosed from Python's grip today and every day. Amen. Amen. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit with us today. I thank you that you have made a way for us to be able to stand strong, for us to be able to resist the enemy and that he must flee. So God, if there's anything in our lives today that has opened that door, I pray you'd reveal it to us. Show us what that is and let us close that door. God, we, re- we repent of any place, of any time when we have tried to tap in illegally into the supernatural realm where we didn't trust you or wait for you to give us our answer or the thing that we needed, but try to get it on our own through some other means, God. So I thank you for your forgiveness and your mercy to cover us, to cover our sins, God, to forgive us. And I ask you, God, to fill us with your Holy Spirit today. Fill us with your spirit to overflow. God, fill us so that just like you, when you said that that the enemy had no hold on you, God, that we could say the same thing, that we're so full of the Holy Spirit that the enemy has no place in us. He has no foothold. He has no stronghold. Even in the midst of the trial and the storm, God, we can still keep our eyes fixed on you. We can still praise your name because you are still good. You are still sovereign. You are still in control and you are still getting us to the ultimate destination that you have called us to do. We thank you that nothing can stop what you have started. You are the author and finisher of our faith and you will sustain us. You will encourage us. You will equip us and empower us, God, to walk in the fullness of the power and the presence of God, no matter what. And let us, let us have so much overflow, God, that it literally breaks those prisons and sets other people free too. They weren't the only ones who had their doors open when you showed up, God, when you suddenly came and broke through. I thank you that countless other prisoners, God, who've been held captive by Python are going to be set free. They're going to be loosed. They're going to be redeemed. They're going to have deliverance. They're going to have freedom in their lives as well. So I thank you for moving. Thank you for showing us, God. Seal this word in our hearts. Help us to walk this out day by day and grow closer to you in the fullness of what you have for us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.